This is the Marty Ray Project Chats, and I'm Marty Ray, one of the hosts of this podcast. You might know me from a beard video, a prank call, a rap song turned acoustic cover, or hopefully one of my original albums. And I'm Chris Wallen. You might know me from... Where would they know me from again? You might know Chris from number one hit songs like Don't Blink by Kenny Chesney and Something to Be Proud of by Montgomery Gentry. Whether you know either one of us or not, I bet you're going to have fun here. Welcome to the project. Download, subscribe, and rate, whether you love it or not. Sound supplied by Roadcaster Pro. I used to wear this man's T-shirts when I was a teenager. He's one of my favorite wrestlers with the coolest name of all time. He's a three-time WCW World Heavyweight Champ, a two-time WCW US Champ, and a four-time WCW Tag Team Champion. I used to stand up with my hands up when he would make his entrance and scream bang while the fireworks went off to the top of my lungs. Now he's a legendary fitness instructor. It's going to help me finally get this fat off my body for good with his DDP Yoga Now app. It's Diamond Dallas Page, baby. It's an honor to talk to you. I did a nice little intro for you. I was going to let you hear. Um, I'm the bearded guy, but we couldn't get the video to work. I don't know why, but I apologize about that. No worries. I feel bad. I can't tell you to look at you. But you know what? We got the frozen. Go ahead. I was looking at you. I was looking at you. (laughs) Ain't I sexy? Yeah, baby. <laughs> so uh, we start we start every show with a, a fast five questions, and we just want fast five answers. Go for it. You ready? Sure. Favorite wrestler beside yourself? Um, Jake Snake Roberts. Oh, that's a good one. Favorite car or mm-hmm. truck? Um, sixty-two pink Cadillac. What was that? What was that year? 62 pink Cadillac convertible. You're talking about car I owned. Did you say car that I owned? No, no. Favorite car truck ever in the world. Well, then it would be a 59 red red Cadillac, red on black. You're a Cadillac man. I'm a Cadillac man. I like that. I knew we were kindred. I like them. Uh, Cats, dogs, or other? Dogs. Nice. Favorite film or TV show? Um... I got to give you two of them, uh, Tombstone and It's a Wonderful Life. Ooh, I love both of those. Tombstone mm-hmm. is definitely my favorite movie, probably oh, of all time. Definitely. Um, yeah, I got, I got, the, I got to hang with the guy who played, uh, um, for, uh, who played, uh, oh God, now I can't think of his damn name. Doc, Doc Holliday. Uh, no, Doc. I got to be with Doc Holliday and Val Kilmer, and I loved him in that role. How he didn't win the Oscar is mind blowing to me. But um, but when I met him, he you know you got to say you, sometimes you can't meet you guys you you really like because he was a weirdo, <laughs> a weirdo. <laughs> um, but who um, um God, well, Johnny Ringo. That's who I got oh, to yeah, hang yeah. with. Johnny Ringo. Oh, wow. That, that whole banter between those two guys, Money and Kurt, and, you know, I mean, that was, to me, one of the, that's one of the best movies. I just sit there and recite lines as they're reciting them. <laughs> you know? Oh, man. That's one of the greatest quotes ever. I'm oh. your Huckleberry. I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> I'll fuck, I'll fuck with blood. Why, Johnny Where's Ringo. My, <laughs> my dog. Oh, my last, God. Last one, UFC or boxing? Uh, UFC. Nice. Good call. All right. So, 
uh, as I said in the intro, you didn't hear it, but uh, it was very special and it was really, <laughs> intimate. It was very intimate uh, interview. I mean, a very intimate intro. I said that I'm a huge fan, always was, and um, growing up, I had your t-shirts. Like I would wear your t-shirts, and and I would uh, I would stand up in the uh, in my living room when you would make your entrance, and I would have the diamond the diamond sign up with my hands and I would scream bang when the fireworks went off. So just want to let you know, you're not, you're not talking to somebody who don't know who diamond Dallas page is. Damn brother. I, I appreciate the, uh, the outlay of the investment on the t-shirt. <laughs> I don't know how much you get from that, but <laughs> not a, probably not much with, with uh, WWC. Yeah, let me tell you, I'll yeah, give you a little story about that. My stone cold. When my boy, you know, we, you know, we were best friends coming up to WCW, and we're still today as close as ever. Uh, but there was a time when he got red hot in WWE, WWF at the time, and you know he he had the red carpet to come to WCW if he wanted to come back, and uh, so he knew it's just always great when you can play Coke against Pepsi. And Vince, if he didn't have Steve, they'd have got their ass whooped. Like, that'd have been it. And Steve, of course, Steve and McMahon, their stuff is legendary, and this is amazing. But my point is, is that Steve made the greatest deal ever back then. I think he did a deal where he didn't, because Vince couldn't offer him any more money because he didn't want to have any, he didn't want to pin himself in the guarantees. So Steve got like, I don't know, something ridiculous, like 50%. Whatever, I can't remember what the number was, but he got a lot of money. He got a lot of his T-shirts. And then he came out with that 316 T-shirt. Yep, I had, a, that, I, I, had a, I had a rattlesnake T-shirt. Yeah. Yep. Well, that 316 T-shirt, bro, still selling. <laughs> I guarantee you. And, uh, and you know, it, he's, he's done pretty, he's done, uh, that, that's a guy that, you know, he's done amazing and yeah, whatever he does turns to gold because he puts the work in, you know? Yeah, he was definitely the only reason that I started watching uh, WWF again after WCW and Nitro took off. Nitro just really was the most exciting one out of all of them until, until Stone Cold showed up. Yeah, man. We were killing him at that time. Sure enough. <laughs> was Eric Bischoff good to work for? Or? Yes, he was. Um, because, you know, there was a lot of, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people had, uh, you know, busted his shops a lot, but he, I'll give you an example, Eddie Guerrero. Now Eddie's contracts up, right? And he's, I don't know if he's going to negotiate and stay or leave, but the bottom line is he got in a really bad car accident. And now his contract, he ain't going to wrestle for a year. And Bischoff just let that contract roll over and kept paying him. You know, Bischoff, uh, I'll give you a great story about Bischoff. I met him in the AWA, and I was a, a manager. He was uh, a, a producer. And back then, he had long hair down to his shoulders. His hair's been gray since he was 22. So he, you know, his gray hair down to his shoulders, um, you know, leather jacket, uh, biker jacket, uh, you know, fancy himself as a badass. You know, he's a third degree black belt. And 
we're all drunk, and I was doing the search for the Diamond Doll back when I was managing in the AWA. This is 1988, maybe 89. Pretty sure it's 88. And uh, we got into an altercation where, you know, like I was talking to my buddy Pat, let's blow out of here. And he got uppity because he was talking to Pat. And next thing you know, it's a pull apart fight between me and Bishop. Mm. They get they get me out of there because he's off it. I'm not off it. I'm nobody. I'm at the bottom of the pit of the pot of the pit. And you know, we go out. I've been in the bar business my whole life. I've been running nightclubs at this point for up on seven years. You know, I didn't know that either, man. I, I you know, me and you've known each other for a while now, and and I, I I've been re- reading up on you for this thing, and I'm like, golly, I I, I had no idea that you were uh, you were a uh, club owner yeah well I, I owned a small piece but i was i was running clubs since i was 23 and now this now i'm 31 when this all goes down and what happened is we go out we don't catch breakfast you know my buzz comes way down you know friggin', um two hours later we're getting off the elevator me and pat and paul the guys i'm managing and we're all bros and Bischoff gets off the, the the elevator right across from us, his wife and three guys from the office. And they're like, dude, go to your room. Just go to your room. So I start walking and he starts talking. And it starts up again. And they're like, dude, go to your room. Go, yeah, come on, let that mother fill. Let come on. Like he's bringing face. And when he get when he starts drinking shots, he's ten foot tall and bulletproof, you know? Right. And they, you know, I went to my room. I took the the higher road, but at eight o'clock in the morning, man, I woke up like bing, and I had a flight to catch, but it wasn't until eleven. So I was getting up early, and I'm going to go down and see how tough this some bitch is right now. <laughs> so I put my I got I got my shirt, like put my jeans on, my boots, and I'm putting on my t-shirt, walking to the door, and I hear. I think it's you know the cleaning lady, and I open it up, and it's him, and wow. he's wearing his leather jacket, and he looks like he's been rode hard and put away wet. I mean, he he he's, he's looking sloppy, and before I can say anything, he says, "I heard I was a real last night." I said, <laughs> "Yeah, you were." I said, As a "Matter of fact, I was just on my way to see you." And he said, I saved you the walk. <laughs> what was and he, he pauses just enough time to get the, get right back on track and says, there's two ways we can handle this. One, accept my apology and shake my hand. Or, and he pulled out his front three teeth. And he said, punch me in the mouth. Whatever you think is fair, I'm good with. <laughs> then, so how hard and did you punch I him? Just, <laughs> I did. You have to remember, I have thrown, I have thrown, a hundred fifty, two hundred people out of clubs by this time. Right. And for years, different clubs I'm in, I'm running them. They got to come back to me to try to get mercy and get back in the hottest club that's there. I've heard every excuse you can hear to get back in. I said, dude, I've been running clubs since I was 23. 
I said, I've heard every excuse you can hear to get back in a club. I said, I have never heard that come back ever. I said, dude, I'd much rather shake your hand. I go, that's a class act. We shook hands. Bringing, I, I, and the AWA goes away for me at that point because they couldn't afford anything. I'm working in Florida Championship Wrestling. I get tight as hell with Dusty. Dusty Rhodes becomes my mentor. If you said who's my favorite person of all time in professional wrestling, it'd be Dusty Rhodes. Because without Dusty Rhodes, there is no Diamond Dallas Page. It was him and Jake were both my mentors. But um, by this time, I'm in, I'm in WCW as a manager and a color commentator. And I'm working with a guy named Lance Russell. And he's coming in. Uh, he's, he, he was coming from Memphis. But he was 72. And they wanted someone younger. And uh, he looked unbelievable for 72. But, you know, it's all age thing. And get the old boy out and get the new guy in. So uh, Dusty says to me, you're trying out with a guy named Eric Bischoff today. Do you remember him? I go, no. Who, what do you, who, who is he? He goes, he worked with you in the AWA. I go, no, nah, man. That doesn't sound familiar. He goes, well, listen, if you like him, help him out. He goes, if you don't like him, just bury him. So I was like, because it wasn't his guy. It was somebody else's guy. And Dusty wanted his own people, you know? But he was willing to take a look at somebody if they had work ethic and heart and the whole deal. And he trusted me. He was, you know, Dusty had five friends. When he died, I was on that list. And he called, Cody, his son called me, and he said, you make sure you tell Dallas. Out of those five friends, a lot of them were on and off the list. Dallas was never off the list. It was something his son had called me and we talked about. So me and Dusty were super tight. Wow. And, uh, and, and uh, I went down there, and he's late because of the weather in Atlanta. You know how crazy it is. And we got to go to Columbus. I have to go to Columbus to go to TV because I'm managing the fabulous Freebirds at that time. And um, finally, he shows up. Now, remember, the guy I know has long gray hair and a biker dude. He comes in looking like a Ken doll with that <laughs> short black hair and, you know, handsome son of a bitch model. But I know him from his eyes. You know, and yeah, when he I, walks through the door, we have no time to talk. So I say to him, I go, dude, I go, hey, man, glad you're finally here. We got to get in the booth and we got to we got to get this out. I got to get to Columbus. So we had no time to talk about anything. We go right in the booth. We do a do a run through. It's the match is like five minutes. And I said, how bad do you need this job? He said, truthfully, I need it really bad. He said, uh, my wife's pregnant with our second kid. Vern, working for Vern, I, you know, I, uh, you know, they hadn't paid me the last two years. I, I failed up there when I tried it in WWE. I didn't get the gig. I really need it. I said, okay, here's the deal. Dusty said, make sure he does play by play. You do the color. Okay. He goes, okay. We start off, we get about a minute in and he's doing color the whole time. He's not calling the moves. He's not calling the lockup, you know, into a headlock. He's not calling any of that. So I stop and go, stop tape. I go, you don't know how to do play by play, do you? He says, truthfully, no, I don't. I say, he goes, but I really need this job. I go, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to tell you what to say right here. Now, collar and elbow lockup, 
pull into the headlock, throw in the top wrist lock, takes me to the hammerlock, boom, he shoots off, big tackle, he rolls to the floor, and I'll go, oh, that's smart move, getting out of there. And I set it up, and we'd work, and then we'd go, go to the next spot, then we'd take it from the beginning, and then we'd work it all the way through, and I set up everything for him. At the end of it, I go, I think he's ready. Let's go. Let's do this. And he goes, hold on a second. He goes, can I ask you a question? I said, of course. He said, do you remember me? I said, yeah, you're the guy I was got in a fight with in the AWA. He goes, just checking. <laughs> just checking. I'll tell yeah. you this. Eric Bischoff, <laughs> Eric Bischoff was a genius uh, marketer for sure. But I don't want to talk about right. Eric the whole show. We only got you till 150, so I want to. Make sure we mention. Uh, years ago, you know, I'm a heavy guy. You couldn't tell from the the image because I just hit it with my beard. But I'm a heavy I'm a heavy set fella. And years ago, I saw a video on YouTube happened on it, and it was a guy that had lost 600 pounds by using uh, your DDP yoga that you started. And not 600, not not 600 pounds. It, that's what the I thought. That's what the video said. He lost 600 pounds. <laughs> No, the most guys ever lost weight, he lost 313 pounds in 17 and a half months. That's a guy named Jared Mullenkopf. I've had guys who were 600 Maybe pounds that's what it was. Who, have come down, who have come down into the 300s. Right. But never and, – and the reason why big guys can do my stuff is because I keep creating modifications like my app today, the DDP yoga app, which I, I, and you guys, when we were talking earlier, you, you get it. I'm calling branding everything DDP. Why now? Why? Cause I want people to stop calling it just yoga. Cause it's not, I didn't develop it for yogis. I developed it for myself to get me back in the ring. Cliff notes. I didn't start wrestling. I was 35. My career took off when I was 40. That was in 96. And literally, I'm talking about October of 96. I, uh, I beat Eddie Guerrero at Halloween Havoc. And going into November, that's when my career started to take off. By the time 1997 came around, I'm main eventing feud of the year with me and Randy Savage. I'm fighting all of the NWO. And my career took off like a rocket. It was insane. I was working 275 days a year in the ring. Now, mind you, I'm going to have to drive 100, 200, 300 plus miles or hop on a plane and fly across the country and drive 100, 200, 300 miles, get to the next town. You know, I always said we were like uh, rock and roll, you know, uh, gladiators. And then Steve Austin put on their truck drivers because we drive ourselves, you know, beating up your body. Not, not to mention doing Hollywood squares and the Tonight Show. I, I think in 97 and 98 together, I may have been home 40 days. Maybe. Wow. You know, because it was, and it, that's what, I was here, you know, you know, singers talk about how the road beats them up. What are you doing on the road? You're singing. You know, <laughs> the road does beat you up, but you ain't bumping for right. 20 minutes. When you're you get old. there, you're not fighting people to get off the, right. to get off the stage. Y'all haven't been on my tour. 
<laughs> y'all had been on my show. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean, yo. It's like you people can think what they want about professional wrestling, but you can't fake gravity. <laughs> you know, no, you right. can't fake that. Exactly. Well, I'll tell right. you, when I was growing up, I had we had a, a I had some buddies that created their own ring because we were so into wrestling. And uh, we would go there and just like we would do the diamond cutter and we would do the the uh, uh, stone cold stunner and then we would if we were brave enough we would start doing those uh, you know uh, summer somersaults and or the uh, what do they call the the when you bring the body hurricanes and yeah, hurricanes all that crazy flying shit today they're doing superheroes like these guys have no idea. And I mean, no idea how bad they are going to be beaten up. Like, because, you know, it was the luchadors who really took it to it. Rey Mysterio mm. was revolutionary oh, yeah. on so many different levels. But these kids today, like watching AEW and some of the the, the stunts that they do, like, they, they, they're they young, so they, they keep doing them. But they have no idea when 40 gets there. They are so, I mean, that's the only way I can say it. They're screwed. I'm 64. Did you guys get to see me do the thing in the AEW uh, back in January? Did you guys get a chance to see that? I never, uh, I didn't even know you were still wrestling, to be honest. I hadn't watched wrestling no, I don't. in years. Yeah, I don't wrestle anymore, but Cody Rhodes, Dusty's son, who I've been mentoring since he was 12 years old. You know, because my relationship with Dusty, but then it just became about me and Cody because I, I came back with both his state championships when he was a junior and a senior in high school. Kids went 48 no his junior year. His senior year, I'm living in LA at the time. His senior year, he lost his 12th match. And I called him up. Here's a kid who's gone, you know, 60 and 0. You know, in the last two years, I call him, hey, and I always called him Young Buck. And that would be crazy because these guys that he's super tight with and help do this, bringing wrestling back to TNT, they're called the Young Bucks. And I'd say, so Young Buck, uh, how you doing, buddy? And I knew he lost, but I didn't want to sell it. And he goes, I lost, Dallas. I lost. And I said, thank God. He's like, what? He's like, why would you say that? I said, Code, do you think you learn anything from winning? <laughs> Bro, every one of my successes came after many failures. You know, you don't learn from winning. You learn from losing. You learn from falling down. You learn by making mistakes. I said, now here's the deal. If you don't learn from them mistakes, well, that is Einstein's theory of insanity doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a, a different result. I said, but I know you. What did you learn from that match? And we talked about it. I said, now here's the beauty of this. First of all, would you have rather been 44-0, met this kid in the, June, in the quarterfinals, and he beat you then? He's like, hell no. I go, here's what's happening. This kid thinks he beat you. When you meet him again, you will know exactly how to fix the where you failed. Bottom line is, he meets this kid in the finals. He's forty-seven and oh, this kid. Cody's wow. forty-six and one. Cody's forty-six and one. 
Now, in Georgia, when you get to the finals, you can have five people of your family, just family members, all a lot of family down on the on the map. And I'm sitting up in the stands with my one of my daughters, Brittany, and Cody sees me. He knows I just flew in from LA for this match. And uh he's like, Dad, Dad, get get Dallas down here. So grandpa had to move. <laughs> I walked down there. Sorry, Grandpa. And, uh, sorry, Grandpa. Uh, I walked down there and I watched him eat this kid alive. So bottom line is when when he gets this, he, he, he made a statement where he, he thought that him and the Young Bucks, these wrestlers, independent wrestlers, this is about two and a half years ago, that they could, they could draw 10,000 people and just an independent show. And then a guy named Dave Meltzer, who's a you know, top guy, you know, a you know, reporter in, in the world of wrestling and UFC and all combat sports. And uh, he said, well, Cody's getting a little ahead of himself. They might be able to draw 4,000 people. So Cody sent back a thing. I'll, I'll take that bet, Dave. And it turned into an internet thing. And they ended up getting an arena in, uh, it's called the Sears Center in Chicago. Chicago is a monster wrestling town. They put tickets on sale. They did a press conference. And they held, um, they just, you know, the goal is to get 4,000 people the first day. That's the goal. They left the press conference. They drove 35 minutes to the arena and the building sold out in 29 minutes. Wow. 11 thousand plus people today now they have AEW All Elite Wrestling on TNT and Cody and the Young Bucks and a guy named Kenny Omega are responsible for it and a guy named Tony Khan who owns the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, he he owns it and runs it he's like the Vince McMahon and it's i I became a part of just showing up for Cody. Hit a diamond cutter here, did something there, all easy stuff. And then he asked me, come this, uh, just past Christmas, would I be willing to do a six-man tag? I'm like, oh, Cody, I don't know, man. You know, I feel <laughs> so good. You know, I'm, I'm going to be 64 in April. I'm like, I, I don't want to tear my ACL or break my neck or do something stupid. Right. You know, I, I, do I think I could do it? Yes, I do, but I don't know. And we talked about it. And, I, you know, it all comes down. I'm, I'm about to release another uh, documentary. Have you guys ever seen The Resurrection of Jake the Snake? Yep. Yes, I, I actually okay. uh, saw it uh, uh, at your premiere. In Nashville. Oh, right, Nashville. It, it was amazing. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Just Yeah, it was powerful. It, uh, anybody who wants to see it, just go on um, go on Amazon Prime. It's up there. If you, if you got Amazon Prime, you can see it for free. Um, but it, it, it's five. We, we've got, when we were on Netflix, we were the third highest rated documentary. If it would have been, and we released that in 2014, if it would have been, it's about three wrestlers, but it really has nothing to do with wrestling, right, Chris? Right, exactly. <laughs> it's about addiction, because it's dark, but it's also about friendship. 
camaraderie, yeah. Loving each other, you know, and helping each other. And, you know, it'll make you laugh. It'll make you cry. Most of all, of all it'll, it'll inspire you. And that was our first documentary that my company called Comeback Studios did. Well, we're about to release the next one, which is called Relentless. And it goes from where I was talking before. And by the way, guys, I just found out I got another 20 minutes on that. So we're good to go. Okay. Good. Um, so um, what happened is at, in, in 99, I, I ruptured my L4 and L5. And what that means, God gave us this incredible spine, right? And the vertebrae. And in between the vertebrae, which makes it so incredible, there's these shock absorbers. They're called discs. Mm -hmm. Now, you only get so many cackles. You only get so many falling, you know, to the right. ground. You're, you, you only get so many, you know, motorcycle falls. You know, you, you, know, yeah. you can only, you only, there's only so many bumps, as I say, that you get, and then you start blowing shit out. So just, if you were to take a jelly donut and step on it, that's what it's like when you rupture a disc. Mm, yeah, I so had now, that too. Yeah. Of, right? So, and, and, and if you're, Six four plus like I am. Well, now you're right under six four because you just lost that height of that zip. Right. So that's the way I, I eat my donuts. Actually, I, I I walk on them like that, <laughs> and then I eat them. So I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> now, DDP, you were in uh, when you were a kid. Now you were in a a, a big car accident when you were a kid. Yeah, and you blew out your result. knee, didn't you? What happened is I, I walked right out in front of the car like an idiot, and it hit my right knee. My face bounced off the hood, and I flew like 42 feet from the point of impact. Wow. And they, they thought I was dead. Oh, my God. My, my, buddy, my, buddy, my buddy Stan Yosh, he watched me fly through the air like Superman, and, you know, and when I landed, I looked like the exorcist. My, my nose was plastered and all, my face all black and blue. And my right knee, it took a brunt of the damage mm. and they wouldn't let me play. I mean, I was a, in my mind, everything I've ever said I'm going to do, I've done like everything. If it's not exactly, it's close. A lot of times I've shot right way past it, like way past it. So in my mind, when I was 12 years old, I was going to be playing, um, you know, defensive end for the Dallas Cowboys or New York Giants because that was my dad's team. And right. I was a Dallas Cowboy fan as a kid. Me too. And, and bottom line is that was my destiny. Now I get hit by a car. Hey, I remember this is 1968. There's no such thing as rehab as we know it today. Now, if you're Joe Namath, or Willis Reed, or somebody like that, you know, Roger Staubach, there, there is some, there's, they, they have rehab for top elite athletes uh, who, who weren't making hardly any money at all back then. Um, but, uh, you know, bottom line is they didn't have any rehab. So my doctor, after I get, you know, the operation, I tear my ACL and my, my part of my kneecap chips off and, tear, you know, my meniscus is blown. He's like, you're done. Like, you'll never play. You, can, you can't play football or hockey anymore. And, man, I was devastated. Yeah. I mean, you talk about having 
the world ripped out from underneath me. And I even got my mom to, because uh, my mom was, my grandmother was raising me, but my mom was, you know, making sure, you know, we had enough money, you know, to live, you know, and grow up. I, I, was, I bounced around like I was a pinball as a kid, <laughs> you know, from one family to another. But my grandma, from eight years old, she, you know, she did her best to try to raise me going through menopause, which had to be really hard on her. Right. But uh, she was safe. Uh, she wasn't, she was fake now, but, uh, bottom line is I begged my mom to take me to meet this guy, Dr. Nicholas. He worked on Willis Reed, you know, who had won the New York Knickerbocker City, won two world championships. He worked on Joe Namath, won the Super Bowl, you know, like maybe he can fix my name. He basically told me I was never going to be a Joe Namath or a Willis Reed that I need to study and, you know, hit the books because, you know, your combat sports are done. But they let me play basketball, which is probably more wear and tear yeah, I mean, on the knees <laughs> than anything, right? Yeah, that, that is kind of crazy. Because it wasn't combat. But yeah, it is. The bottom line is I sucked at basketball. This would be the greatest thing to happen to me as a human being. Because in seventh grade, I didn't make the team. Which I was like, basketball, I don't like it anyway. You know? Well, now, that's all I got. Eighth grade, I tried for the team, but I sit on the bench. And I ain't ever sat on the bench, ever. And so that summer, that's where my whole mind shifted. And I said, that's never happening to me again. This is my new sport. I'm going to learn to play as good as anybody. Right. And I played anywhere from five to eight hours a day every day that summer. And I came back that freshman year. We went undefeated. I averaged about 18 points a game. And by the time I was a sophomore, I was starting varsity. And the pre- the thing is, I just skimmed through high school because I, you know, I I at the time I had no idea, but I had ADD and dyslexia, and I was reading at a third grade level at the age of 30. You know, which uh, you know, <laughs> it makes life really hard. But again, it forces you to adapt. Right. You know, and I learned a lot about listening and repetition and and that's how I would learn things. And, you know, at 31 years old, at 30 years old, I made the decision I was going to learn how to read professionally. At 31, I'd gotten Tony Robbins. Like, I can't read his book, but he had those cassette tapes and he had like 20 of them. But I could listen to them and that would start to be the building of, okay, you, yeah, I'm running nightclubs and I'm having a blast. You know, I'm living the dream, but I still can't read. You know, and yeah. someday in my mind, I know I'm going to be an actor. Like I know it. And you're never going to be an actor if you can't read. So it was something you came very passionate about. And, and I, little bit, little bit, grew a little bit. And then I was out in LA and God, I think it was 2003 or four when I found this place called the Eris Learning Center. And I found some 85 year old woman uh, who's, I taught a friend of mine uh, at the Eris Learning Center. And my, it improved over a six month period, it improved my reading dramatically. It's still, it's, I would never say it's, I'm a good reader, but I'm an average reader now. And, uh, you know, some days it's, it's harder than others, but overall, I just work it, man. And I read everything. Man, and you again, overcome stuff. That's, 
Well, you couldn't tell that you were uh, dyslexic or not a good reader by your interviews. No, uh, not at and all. And your, uh, your, you know, your promos that you would do in WCW. But I got to know something. Um, first, I want to say, it, it. I don't believe in coincidences. So all the things about the sports that you couldn't play and all that is God put that in your path on purpose to get you into the wrestling thing that you ended up becoming super famous for. And uh, even I, even today, which led you into DDP yoga, which has inspired people like me, even though I'm still fat, I still watch some of those videos online and they inspire me to, to get off my butt and do something. But one question I got I to gotta ask, I got to know who was, I've always wanted this since I was a little child, who is the toughest guy, legitimate, legitimate tough guy backstage? Like at, of all the wrestlers that you know, who was actually a real, real tough man, tough, tough fella to, to get on a street fight with or something? Well, you know, there, there's a lot of them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, I would there, say. There, there, there really is. There's a lot of them. But nobody, you know, could touch, like, Ming, you know, Tonka, Tonka, not to Tonka, Ming. I uh, would think of, I uh, can't remember his name in WCW. He used Ming and, you know, I'm talking about the uh, the Samoan. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I vaguely yeah, remember yeah. him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah what about, uh, like, dudes. UFC? Him I mean, and uh, Barbarian. Him and Barbarian. Again, the, the Samoan guys. Like, Ming is famous. Tonga. Tonga is his real name. And he, I'll tell you what. The sweetest human being on the planet, but get out and get somebody getting in his face. Why anybody in their right mind would get in his face? Like maybe he didn't think he was, <laughs> you know, he was a bad man. Right, I right. Mean, <laughs> six guys. Like the stories, the stories of him back in the eighties when they were running hard, they're like legendary. And if you meet Tonga. You, I mean, he's just a big teddy bear. Oh, but he's also a killer. <laughs> Did he, is he the yeah, one that came no. out with like a skull or something? Tonk or, well, or, or yeah, like voodoo? Yeah. No, no, no. He was just, uh, he, he really didn't get past the mid card. He did back in the early days. He did really good with WWE, right. uh, WWF, um, and tag teams and stuff. And, uh, but you asked me who's the baddest man there. And, Right. Nobody, Arn Anderson has one story after another, you know, about Tonga. Uh, but again, the nicest human being on the planet. You know, Undertaker um, uh, said, they asked him, they said, uh, if UFC would have been as popular as it was when you started wrestling, would you have been a UFC fighter? He said, yes. Well, um, to me personally, if I, and, and maybe Taker's got a, um, uh, a legendary, uh, um, you know, um, maybe maybe he's got maybe he's got a lot of wrestling in his life. He's maybe he was a, he was a good high school or you know co collegiate wrestler or a jujitsu. Maybe he does that. Maybe he has those skills. I don't know about. But for me personally, if you do not have the pedigree of a Kurt Angle. You know, or, you know, um, Brock Lesnar. You know, if you don't have a pedigree in wrestling, like top of your field or jujitsu, one or the other, because you can learn to strike, 
know, you can learn to go in other forms of mixed martial arts, but you, everything's based in jujitsu. Like if you watch these guys who are really badass strikers, like, um, like Tito was back in the day, uh, um, God, uh, his legendary fights were, I can't remember his name. Tito Ortiz. Yeah, Tito and and Chuck uh, Liddell. 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 They both had, if you see these guys who who really do stand up, it's because if they go to the ground, one's going to cancel out the other. And so they're just going to go back and forth. Let's fight it out. Well, Tito was a wrestler as well. Yeah. Tito did oh, wrestle, yes. but Chuck and, did. And Chuck, I forgot. I watched, yeah, but he did something else. He had some sort of. I mean, Chuck was bad. There's a great thirty for thirty. Yeah, I love it. Uh, right now, uh, did you see it? Oh yeah, about Chuck. Yeah, it was great. I have yeah, to see Chuck. that. I have to look for that. It's about Chuck and Tito. Chuck, yeah, it's very, it's very cute. Yeah, it was bits of awesome thirty were, for thirty. They were best friends, man. And what's really interesting is about. Uh, 12, maybe 13, 14 years ago. I guess it was around 2004 or 5. I see this article and it's um, the other way, going the other way. It was, they were asking Tito, did he ever want to, you know, think about being a wrestler? Because Tito loves wrestling and he's made for wrestling. You know, just just the way he promos, the wanting to be the heel, the whole thing. And he said, yeah, I really wanted to make a move. He said, Diamond Dallas Page talked me out of it. Hmm. And, wow. I, and I popped because this is exactly what happened. He said we were at the Peppermint Rhino in Vegas. And he was a champ of that. And I sat down and, you know, talked to him. And, you know, he, and he told me that, you know, do not even think about making a switch right now. He, I literally said to him, I said, dude, you're on the cusp of something. I just felt UFC was the next thing. Right. And we had hit our crazy high. And then we were, we were dropping. And wrestling cyclical goes up and down and up and down. You know, and, you know, depending on who the, who the people are out there, the, the people can get behind. And, um, you know, right then I knew. And I didn't, you know, I didn't know what kind of feud they would do with Liddell or whatever. I just said, you're going to be such money because you're kind of what we do already. Right. You like being the bad boy. Yeah. You're going to draw, like Ali, Ali's, and this is legendary interview he did. Ali's, that, that's who my idol was growing up. So when you oh, say yeah. you know, UFC or boxing, if you ask me back then, it would be boxing. There was no UFC, you know, but Muhammad Ali, you know, I got to meet him on three different occasions. And it was, I got him, he locked up with me. He called it. We have pictures of that and hanging out. <laughs> um, but Ali was in Vegas and gorgeous George was in the studio before him. And he just heard George talking shit. And he realized then, you know, this pretty black man, you know, who was pretty. You know, and he's going to tell everybody just how pretty he is. Oh, yeah. He's going he's to piss them off. 
as much as he can because he wants to draw money. And he took it from him. It was really cool, man. Wow. Uh, you actually get the man. That, that uh, is so time cool. But that's what Tito did. Yeah. That's what Tito did. And he said the whole story just like it really happened. And what's <laughs> fascinating is a lot of people don't remember like the insights or like I tell everybody <laughs> without Dusty Rhodes, there is no Diamond Dallas Page. Without Jake Snape Roberts, there's no three time world champion. Without the both of those guys in my life, there's no Hall of Fame. But Man. there was because they helped make me. I right. never forget anybody. But so many other people do. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, man, let, let me ask you Let me ask you this. Like, what is your diet like? Like, do you, um, and, uh, do you, what's, what are the things that you, because you look freaking great, man. I mean, you really do. And, um, and I, like, what do you eat? Well, let me I'll give you, you know, I, I, for starters, I eat real food, you know, and when I say real food, if, if there's, if anybody wants to really understand what real food is, watch a movie called Food Inc. It came out in 2007. It won the Oscar. And it talked about this company, Monsanto. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Who were, mm-hmm. Hate them. You know, now everybody knows who Monsanto is. They, they were the Antichrist. They were killing the farmers. And when I say killing the farmers, here's these guys who live off the land, and they make just enough to make a good, you know, a decent living for their family. And then these, you know, these flurries of this new wheat, you know, like, looks GMO. like bread, tastes GMO. like bread, right. I don't eat genetically modified food. Mm-hmm. Right. It, see, wheat used to be six, seven feet. No, but they about five to six feet tall. Today it's 18 inches. But you get three times the mass. Let me tell you. It's all they, about the dot. Yeah. The only, the only genetically modified food I will eat is Taco Bell. So. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. First of all. First of all. First of all. That's not all, bad, is it, DDP? That's not bad, is it? A fake food. If you're going to tell me about fast, you have to give it the real name. Fast, fake food. And if like, I listen, my, next time you come to Nashville, would you? If if I paid for it, would you go to Taco Bell with me and eat with me? I'll get the I, I, I'll get the fancy dishes. I'll get the. We'll even eat no, it with real silverware. I will tell you. Here's here's this this is true. If there was nothing to eat, I would eat nothing before I would eat <laughs> that disgusting. Like, what do you actually nothing, eat? Like, like on a daily basis, do you go out to restaurants at all? Do you ever go to fast food? Yes, yes. But first of all, I know that they're eating. They're, they're serving real food, meaning that they're not whole. Not their their whole menus. Not like real food. But probably, you know, 50% of it, 40% of it. And I can get around that. Like, I love Houston's because they've got mm. a lot of it that's good food. Yeah, um, right, right. And I, I don't eat anything that's genetically modified. All, you know, again, if you watch Food Inc. and then you watch this other movie called Genetic Roulette. Mm. Now, I haven't heard of that one. That sounds fun, actually. 
Genetic root. Yeah. 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 Sounds like Vegas. <laughs> how, big, how, big are you, how big are you, big man? How big are you? I am 300 pounds. That's not bad. And, but go. let me tell you, when I go to Taco Bell, though, I ask for extra GMO. So that might be why. <laughs> and how old are you now? I'm, how thir- old are you? I'm 38. Enjoy that ride, brother. But I'm about to listen. Be I'm being serious right yeah. now. This is a serious thing right now. I am really, I got your app. And uh, Chris gave me, you know, he said that we're VIP on there now. So I had full intentions. I had full intentions. I'm going to be 100% candid. Of before this interview, having a good weekend, just a good weekend of doing the DDP yoga. I, I promise you that was my intentions. But fat brains think like fat. It's, it's a mindset, see. I haven't always been fat. I used to actually be in great shape. But uh, now it's like the getting the motivation. Now, I listened to this book to talk about motivation being fake, and it's not even real. Like You motivate yourself, and it only lasts a, long, a little while. But nonetheless, I want to tell you right now on this show, Chris, DDP, mm-hmm. yes, that sir. next week I'm on that DDP yoga app every day, and then I want to check back every, in. Every day? Every day. Every day? Every day. Uh, will you let me guide you then? 100%. I, I was going to say, I'm going to send you a picture of the progress as I go or a video or whatever. Well, but here, here's the deal. On that app, right? The app, anybody's listening. Go to ddpy.com or ddpyoga.com, download it. You get it for seven days for free to try it. You don't like it, get rid of it. You know, the bottom line is if you work, DDPY works. If you don't work, nothing works. Now, wait, and, the, the, the app. Yeah. The app is called DDP Yoga now, right? Yeah, but I, you, if you go to ddpy.com or ddpyoga.com, yeah. that's the only place you're going to find it where it's actually, I, I take off X amount of dollars, you know, because yeah. I want people to figure in mm, get a good well, deal. If you go, I can't do that with iTunes or Google Play because they want their 30%. Right, so I can see. I can't. Yeah, so I can't do that. But people still go there, you know. Yeah. Hey, hold one second. Hold one second, boys. This okay. is my deal. Hold on a second. Okay. And then mm-hmm. the time was now and I face the final curtain. My friend, I'll say it clear. I'll state my case. For which I'm certain. I oh, I go I, I go and see I go and see this guy, you know, every week. He's he's you know, he's a chiropractor, but this guy's like Yoda. Like he does <laughs> applied kinesiology. Uh, I, I, like what he does in fixing your body is like I can't even explain it to you. Um, it's one of the reasons. It's part of my toolbox of things I do. When he gets working on somebody, like my appointment today was supposed to be at two thirty, but I knew I'd be okay. You know, three o'clock, we'd be cool. She just told me he'll be ready around five. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Listen, I want to do something so, since we talked about food with you. We have a segment on this show that we that we call "What Not to Eat." So it'd be a good one to do oh with you. Oh my god! Yeah. So, so get ready. Uh-huh. We we about to run this. Okay. Here Hold we go. On one second. You might have eaten a few things in your lifetime. I know Chris and Marty sure have. But these are things they would never eat. This is what not to eat. Ew.
buddy. My first one, or okay. my, my one for this show is okay. called, now DDP, you listening? I'm listening. He's probably tried this. <laughs> this is called Drunken Shrimp. Uh, drunken Shrimp. Shrimp. What? I can't even speak right now. <laughs> man, you kind of sound like a drunk. <laughs> I think I was eating somewhere. <laughs> oh, man. Drunken Shrimp. It's exactly as the name suggests. It, they take this live shrimp, and they make it swim in a strong liquor called Bajou. And then when diners eat it, they bite the head off first. And then they uh, get, you know, the shrimp are turnt. So they don't really know. They're just crunk. So they don't really, wow. they're like partying. But then if they don't chew it up good enough, they said that it, you can get a, a worm or something from it. If you oh, don't, if you're not careful. You bring something back from it. A little, little, yeah. little something extra. Yeah. There's the picture right there, actually. So oh my God! Those are those are those those shrimp are having a good time right there. Ooh man, you gonna try a little bit of that DDP? Ooh. No. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's no, already he's had out. It. He's I out. You, the, 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 the shrimp. First of all, you're telling me you're swimming around in booze in vodka, and then you're eating and, and then you're eating it raw, and you're wondering. Why there might be some pesticides in it? <laughs> wondering. I know. Well, I'm not wondering because I ain't eating it. <laughs> no, no. Chris, what's yours? Okay, so I looked around the old interwebs and I come up with virgin boy eggs. Ew. They're from <laughs> Dongyang, Xinjiang, China. The first name fits it perfectly. <laughs> and you have to say it, virgin boy eggs. Why Just like that. <laughs> and what they are is they are eggs that are boiled in the urine of young boys. Oh, stop. No, this is true. <laughs> this is nasty. Preferably under the age of 10. This is a delicacy okay. now. They're named no, Tongzing Don. And the dish translates literally to boy egg. And is a springtime tradition of the city where the urine is collected from prepubescent peasant boys. This is worse than I thought. I thought it was just a nickname for it. It actually is exactly what they're talking about. That's not it up there that he has up there. No. No, that is is not it, what he has up there. But, (laughs) yeah, so it it soaks in, in young boy urine. Oh, man. oh my god! That's something That's brutal, man. I remember my mama used to make virgin boy eggs when we was kids. <laughs> oh my god, she made the best virgin boy eggs. Oh what man, what boy's urine did she use? <laughs> man, yours. We okay. Let's get off that. He, <laughs> yeah, let's DDP's let's move up. up. Yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> but what is the craziest thing you've ever eaten, though? Just you know, before the dieting and being strict, what was the craziest? thing that you ate besides gmos <laughs> god i don't even i don't know i've always had a pretty good handle on real food oh really you never I, you never so I, 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 even, would eat, I mean i'd eat white castle hamburgers that's not food you know that's but you never 30, 32 eight thirty-two uh, white castle hamburgers one day at the bar. Good Lord. Man, I'm with you on those now. Ooh, man. <laughs> I can do that, too, if, if for lunch, breakfast, and dinner. Man, I eat them so fast, they come out with a box still in them. But, mm. you know, it's got still got the mm. box on the side of it. That's special. Yeah. Branded poop. 
Um, so DDP, you never experienced and did any kind of crazy foods or nothing while you were traveling? Like you never? Yeah, but yeah, nothing that I, I think about. Like, wow, that's pretty exotic. You know, I got nothing you. Really, nothing crazy. I don't blame you. Yeah, I remember. I'll tell you. I remember. I know one thing. I would never do again after I was toured through Singapore because yeah, I I was still believed in oh buffets. The buffets are good. I got I got food poisoning so bad. Oh that no! I was four days in bed. Oh, like, the doctor had to come and give me two shots in my ass just because whatever. I don't even know what 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 he put in me for penic you know penicillin or I don't know what the hell it was. But man, I could not. It was like an alien was coming out of my stomach. Did you, you know, so. did you get any virgin boy eggs or anything like that no, on the buffet? Was it weird not. eggs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. man. Are you still acting? Uh, I have a new show that's uh, actually I am the uh, lead for. Uh, it's called Gods and Secrets. It'll be it's a uh, very dark superhero. Uh, um, we really made it for YouTube. And um, this guy Adi Shankar, who's done a bunch of bunch of films, but he also did a uh, show Castlevania for, mm, for Netflix. Okay, uh, yeah. He got he you know and he did uh, in the middle of when they got as soon as they saw Castlevania, they were like, "What else do you have?" And it was something that me and Adi were working on, and that's where it started taking. Uh, um, I, like we're oh my god, people might actually see this. You know, what what is YouTube. it about briefly? You know, I can I can only say that it's a very dark, <laughs> right, you know, right, alternate, yeah. un, alternate universe thing, uh, and it's something that you've never seen before. Mm, I like, like that in the the mixture. Like, if you're a fanboy and you like that, you're you know you're gonna dig it. If you're a gamer, you know, and gamers control the world right now. Oh, you know, yeah. when it comes to video games. But these are everything set in 1987 in this alternate world. And uh, again, it was started out going to be just these little YouTube video clips, these shorts. And right. then it grew and then it grew. And man, it's, uh, it is, it's so in cool. Man, I can't and wait I'm just to see waiting. that. Yeah, it's, it's, it, you gotta like this type of deal, and it's got some swerves in it that make you go, "What?" You know. So, yeah. Well, uh, let let yeah, Chris know if I'm you need any music for it. But we—that's what they're doing right now. Oh, that's cool, what they're man. laying down. Hey, Chris, let me ask: Have you told Marty about the time we went shooting? Man, <laughs> no, I, I did. I, I told him about about how you brought the tree down with my oh my <laughs> with a nine. We were. For people, for people who bring in who, who who weren't there, and Marty's probably hurting. We we had everything. We had every gun known to man out there, and we were just shooting into the forest. Actually, thank God there was nobody walking back there. Yeah. Um, but there was this one tree, this thin tree, and it became like the object to try to get this tree down. And at the end. Like we threw everything at it, and I had a little. I just bought this little nine nine millimeter, just a little bitty thing. <laughs> he said, "Let me see that." <laughs> One hit, bam, and it just. 
<laughs> he, he diamond cut the tree. <laughs> he diamond cut the tree. Well, look, tell me if I'm wrong, Chris. It's like we won the Super Bowl, though. Oh, we I, and I just put the camera down. down. Right, the camera. Ira, no, no. Ira, Ira, Ira Dean lost his mind. <laughs> I lost my mind. Dude, we were going crazy. <laughs> we filmed everything. Man, that was the same <laughs> week that you had uh, the the um, the DDP um, the DVD set come out. Is that correct? Is right. That, that was the that same week that it blew no, up. No. no, that was the week that the disabled veterans video. That's what it was. That's and what it was. That's the one I saw. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then the, the, the real deal is the guy's five, six, 297 pounds. He couldn't walk without the aid of knee braces, back brace, or the canes that he was walking with. And over a 10-month period, and I talked to him every couple of weeks, and literally talked to him. I only worked out with him once. Uh, but he just followed the program. Yeah. You, know, you know, he lost 140 pounds. But more importantly, he lost the knee braces, back brace, and canes. Not just to walk, but run. Yeah. Yeah. And what what had happened? That remember the movie I was starting to tell you about. Our next documentary is called Relentless. Right. And mm-hmm. it's it, it's for me blowing my back out because Kevin Nash had given me a power bomb, and it was like my you know, it was the straw that broke the camel's back. It wasn't Kev hit me with a power bomb. It was you know that last one. And then my back said, okay, uncle. And, you know, I was done. But it starts there and it ends where we are today. Because we have 20 plus years of footage that we've been following this whole thing. And the thing that happens with Arthur, my business partner, Steve Yu, who's the uh, director of the resurrection of Jake's estate, Every great video that you've ever seen come out of our company, Steve is responsible for. Like I'm responsible for creating the transformation. He's responsible for really telling the story right. and hitting people's, you know, hitting people where it's emotional. And he had told me that he was going to redo this Arthur video because that came out in 2012. I did the transformation with Arthur in 2007. So it was by 2008, me and his son had created one, but it wasn't what Steve created. And we, I had no idea what viral meant. And um, right before it went crazy, and again, we have no idea this is going to happen. One of my business partners is deciding to sell our DVD sets on eBay for half price and no shipping. Mm, and while it was going reason, on, like, yeah. But this is before it happened. Oh, before this it happened. Before, this is the day, this is three days before it blew up. Now think about this. We talked about God's work before and yeah. how God puts us in a certain path and, you know, um, at the day before, two days before it went viral, and today everybody knows what viral means. But back then, I had no idea what viral meant. And um, what happened was one of my business partners 
uh, Robert and Steve called me and said, I think we have a problem. And I'm like, what's the problem? I'm just moving out of LA. I've just backed up my shit. I don't even know where I'm going yet. Because I had short sold my house. Yeah, I wasn't in the greatest financial spot at the time because I put everything into this. Right. You know, everything, like over $548,000. And, um, and I was just traveling and staying with different I, I wasn't even, I was based, I wasn't homeless, but that was a place to go. But I, I didn't have a home right then. I didn't have like one station where, you know, I would call it my home. Mm. And, um, and, and they both tell me that this guy, and I never used his name in the, in the documentary because he's got kids and I don't want that, you know, right, I don't want right, that out yeah. there. Um, but, uh, but he'll know, you know, and I'll tell him right before it comes out. Like everybody else is like, no, let's got to put his name in there. I go, no, we don't. No, he, believe me, he knows he's dumb, you know, and he was just trying to feed his family anyway, right, but he did right. it the wrong way. And bottom line is, I got to go down there and get all the DVDs because I find out he's doing this shit. He's in Vegas at the time. I go down, I load everything up. I'm about to go on the road for 12 days. And I'm starting in Nashville. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so I go down to, down to South you know, LA, load up all the stuff, pack it all up, get on a plane and take off. I'm getting ready the next morning to take off for Vegas. I'm in Vegas for Nashville and my buddy Steve calls me up and he goes, bro, he goes, we're on the front page of Reddit. I'm like, what's that mean? He goes, Reddit. He goes, he goes, I don't know. He goes, it's some big internet site or whatever. He goes, we've got a lot of traffic on the site right now. I'm like, awesome. You know, great. Right. I got to go, man. I got to crash. You know, he's up all night during this. I wake up in the morning and I see all my freaking texts. We're going viral. I don't even know what viral means. <laughs> I, I get to the airport in LA and I'm at TSA and he copies a tweet and he sends it to me. It says, stop what you're doing right now and witness real magic. David Copperfield. Wow. Top right. Man. And then it, I hop on the plane. When I get off, um, I didn't. He sends me another one. This one says, "Want to see what happened? You want to get inspired when you see someone do something that's amazing? Watch this video. Starts off slow and strong. Tony Robbins. Wow. So now we're like, got to remember, I just sent these videos." to Florida, the DVDs that we have to Florida, like ground from LA. <laughs> and there's one, and there's one thing that amazed, you know, like I've done a lot of research on companies and when you advertise, and this wasn't advertising, this was when we made this video and Steve sent it to me and anybody wants to see this video, just go to ddpy.com, go to the bottom and you'll see Arthur, disabled veteran Arthur Borman. And you watch this video, and it, it, it can it can really change your life. Yeah, it's amazing. And um, so Steve sends me the video, and when he, when I look at it, I mean, I think it's amazing. But I go, bro, you never mentioned DDP yoga in it. 
He said, well, I read this book when trying to get something to go viral. And they said, if you try and advertise, it won't go viral. Your chances get way cut down. So he said, here's our choices. We can do a commercial and put it out there and see if, you know, what happens. He said, or we can inspire people. He said, what do you want to do? I said, let's inspire people. So then I watch it again. And I realized that he calls me a yogi. And I'm like the anti-yogi yogi. You know? <laughs> like, I, I appreciate yoga, but it's not what I do. You know, right. What I'm doing is something different. Yeah. And uh, and I say, Steve, you call me a yogi, bro. I don't, you know, that's the last thing I want. And he said, do you know how many yoga Facebook walls this will get put on? I don't really even understand Facebook then. So I go, no, I really don't. <laughs> you know, and, and he's like, he goes, will you trust me on this one? I said, all right. So now, now, because of this thing taking off, and we do maybe 10 orders in a week, you know, maybe, maybe we might do 20. Right. You know, at that time. Now we're doing... 10, 10 orders an hour. Nice. Man, then it goes to 20, 20. And, I, and I'm at Ira's place. Yeah. And I'm We're all hanging watching out. This. <laughs> right. Chris is there. I'm there. And I'm going like, <laughs> and like Chris, wasn't I getting sick to my stomach? Oh, uh, you, know, you so were amazing. losing it. And you were on the phone. You were pacing. We were, <laughs> and we're, me and I were talking, Ira Dean, Trick Pony is a good, uh, mutual friend of ours. And just, I mean, it, it, I was like, he is blowing up. He goes, I know, man. He's, <laughs> and it was just well, so the, crazy. The reason why I was going crazy was because I, I had heard that if you, you know, push your company out there and you create the demand and you can't back it up, Right, it will blow up in your face. Yeah. So right. this wasn't an ad. This was something to inspire people. They were still finding us, though. So you know, uh, but dude, we were doing. We did like twenty thousand dollars that day. That's nice. Like that's what we did a month. That's what we did a month. Well, let me and tell you, you, went, man, you, you inspire moment. me. That's for sure. Oh man, and, and you know what? You help people, and that's uh, that's that's amazing. You know, of all the stuff yeah. that that you've done and, and you've accomplished in your life, you still reach out and help people, and, and that means a lot. We don't want to keep you forever, and uh, what we want we do in the show with uh, we want to do one thing, and then and then we'll let you get off here and get to your uh, doctor's appointment or whatever in two hours. Now at this point, but uh, <laughs> it's a it's a thing we do called an unbelievable fact. And we just end the show with that? Sure. All right, right on. Here we go. You might think it's not true, but I assure you that it is. It's hard to believe it's an unbelievable fact. The unbelievable fact for this show is can openers were invented 48 years after cans were invented. You should just can stuff for good before that, I guess. I don't know. Wow. Hmm. That's so... Can openers 48 years after? After wow. the can was invented. I'd buy it. Wow. I'd buy that because they just used a knife. Yeah. Anyway, 
That's the unbelievable fact, DDP. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> thank you so much, brother. Thank you for uh, inspiring us. Thank you for giving us our the, your time today. And uh, it's been a pleasure and a joy and an honor to talk to you. I promise Amen. you that. All right, boys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> God bless you, DDP. Thank you all so much for listening to the Marty Ray Project Chats. And a big thank you to Rode for supplying the sound with Rodecaster Pro. Whether you like what you heard or hated what you heard, subscribe and rate us anyway. Let us have it. You know it was an awesome day having DDP on. Oh, my gosh, man. That guy is such a class act. He really is. We're going to have his screenshot up there this whole video. It's just going to live there, the the frozen spot. Just stay there, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, DDP. God bless you. God bless you. Bang.